Welcome to Honest Toss, or game shows, I suppose. It's the old game show episode of Honest Toss, because I normally uh, do these kind of episodes for you guys. Anyway, normally we do a catch-up. How's it going? Hi, hi. Hello, I'm Jordan. I, this is game shows. This is all game show episodes, so it could be considered game shows, I suppose. But unlike a lot of the episodes you're about to see on our Patreon... Those were all pre-recorded. I recorded those months in advance, sometimes weeks in advance. I that I, and they're re- not really into today's current events. I'm trying to, to just spread them so it's every game show and their significance and all that stuff. And while the mainline game shows, I suppose, is coming to an end uh, at the end of November. I guess I'm still going to be talking about game shows here on Patreon. So thank you for your contributions. Tell all your friends I'm still doing this. Yeah, that's kind of a dumb idea. Anyway, uh, where was I going with this? Hi. Uh, normally, with Honest Hoss, I do a you know a single wrap-up. I do a, There's a karaoke thing. And I just vent and vent until I lose my voice. And that's it. However, uh, I figured this is a game show episode because a lot of the things I'm going to be talking about in this episode, and by most, I mean pretty much everything, is going to be game show related in some regard. Because to me, this feels like a good catch-up, shall we say. The last time I did a news uh, video was about three months ago. Boy, how time flies, right? I I know. Uh, You've completely forgot but I haven't. So let's just uh, start with the early things. No, I haven't heard back from G4, so I'm guessing I don't have the job. Oh, well, let's move on. Uh, Second, Fall Guys has come out. You know the video game Fall Guys? It's a kooky little uh, video game where it's like a battle royale, but it's set in like a wacky, it's a knockout, wipeout, candy-colored zone, which is very fun. I enjoy it, but I think the learning curve and the way that people play the game means that you have to play it at the start of a new battle pass season otherwise you're destined to just keep losing and losing and never quote-unquote getting good which means it's it's not worth your time unless you can somehow build a way to play with 60 of your friends in one private server which has yet to be the case but i like it because of the platforming the silliness it obviously feels like it, it took cues from like Takeshi's Castle and it, it took cues from uh, Wipeout or Totem Wipeout if you're there. And it's a knockout in its current season, which is all kingdom and castles, which I also kind of enjoy. It's very cute. Very nice. Uh, secondarily, Among Us has become a very popular uh, video game, even though it came out a couple years ago. Essentially, it's like Werewolf, uh, but in space, where you have to figure out who is the uh, the imposter in your group. The group has to complete different mini-game challenges, similar to WarioWare, by going to different places and then doing one or two events. Along the way, there is a werewolf that if they find you, they can kill you and end your process. You have to find the imposter before uh, it's too late and they kill majority of the people, or... If they can somehow, um, you know, kill the entire group. 
The group's job is to complete all the tasks before the imposter or deduce who the imposter is. It's a very fun game, and I encourage both those things because they're both variants of game shows brought into video games that I kind of enjoy. The imposter among the group, you know, kind of like Dirty Run Cheater or like The Mole, always an enjoyable game concept. With Fall Guys, it, it's a slapsticky physical platforming adventure, kind of like Wipeout with Super Mario Land. So, talking about those video games, it just it feels nice because it seems like you know taking game show mechanics that you normally see and bring them into games are actually kind of like a new concept that I'm seeing, and I'm really really enjoying. I remember Splitter Steel coming out this year, and that was just Prisoner's Dilemma over and over again. So, to me, I'm getting more optimistic about the world of video games because of its incorporation of game show mechanics brought inside these new independent games. So, bravo to everyone involved. All right. Number two, uh, I get to talk shit about Buzzerblog. Again, why? Why do you keep reading their bullshit? I don't need to talk about them really that much. They're, A, not paying me for their promotion, and two, they really aren't the only place you can get game show coverage, especially with things like, I don't know, Game Show Newsnet, or Game Show Gumbo, or, hey, you know what, Bothers Bar. If you want people talking about British game shows, Bothers Bar, or UK Game Shows is also a great website if you want to hear people talk about The Chase. Huh? Huh? Would you like people talking about The Chase? Because there's already a few websites talking about British game shows. You don't need an American viewpoint on how good the chase and pointless... Well, pointless... That's a fun story. Uh, I guess I can diatribe that. When I recorded the pointless chase like <laughs> episodes, that was like back in like June. Because I was like, okay, this is like something I can't really do for November. And... <laughs> That was before Alexander Armstrong decided to defend J.K. Rowling and that letter about uh, basically protect her, protect her girls from the transgender people, the trans women are women. And it's just such transphobic garbage that when I heard that Alexander Armstrong defended that, I was puking. And I was like, oh, come on. Because, like, I thought Pointless is a great game show, and Alexander Armstrong's a charming guy, and then this bullshit comes out. Come on, Alexander. You had trans contestants on your fucking show. You've been doing that for a thousand episodes. You don't think those people that you talk to might have felt a little hurt by those comments? God damn. <laughs> So, like, Jesus Christ, how hard can you say that, you know, trans rights are human rights? It's not that difficult. Come on. So, anyway, uh, that was awkward. And I still choose, and even though that's the case, I still have to say Pointless is better than The Chase. The reason I have to, uh, I still have to defend the format, not really the host. Maybe if Bradley Walsh hosts Pointless, I'll be okay. I'll be okay if Bradley Walsh. <laughs> Uh, who's an amazing, charming uh, presenter, and I like him a lot, uh, over on The Chase. So, anyway, uh, speaking of The Chase, did you know someone was a contestant on The Chase once? Yeah. So, uh, 
recently, the, the Weakest Link came out. I already reviewed that game show, but I'll do it again in this episode because maybe you haven't heard it or something. And uh, the Too Long Didn't Read version is, I think this is the best reboot of Weakest Link. I think this is better than any version. The syndicated run, better than the original Ann Robinson run, even better than the BBC run with Ann Robinson that lasted 14 years. This is such an Americanized version of Weakest Link and necessary, mind you, of what it should have been. Uh, that I, I like it a lot. And I actually give it really good. Uh, but Buzzerblog... Uh, Really garbage website, by the way. I hate. To, I feel like Donald Trump saying that. I don't want to. Ugh, fake news. Ugh, bad. No, it's. I think the problem is with Buzzer Blog. They really want to have to rub elbows with producers because they want that clout. But then when they use that clout, it comes across as my uncle works at Nintendo and they told me X, Y, and Z, and none of that shit is ever true. To the point of it's. Why do you keep following them? They're passive-aggressive towards their community. They don't give a fuck about you. If you were excited about like a $100,000 win on Wheel of Fortune this week, who the fuck cares? It's not the chase. If you were excited about the solo person on Jeopardy, well, it's funny, ha-ha, instead of like, well, that's a rare occurrence on a game show. If you're talking about the new set of The Price is Right due to COVID, which we'll be getting into all those things... In this episode, hopefully, they kind of just look at you with like, yeah, it's COVID, so what? What's the big deal? Instead of pointing out like how fun the set looks and how it reminds you of the showcase podiums or X, Y, and Z reasons, to me, they don't give a fuck about the game show fandom, yet the game show fandom really wants to talk about them. Why? Because they were kind of there like a decade ago for you. They were there when like GSN pyramid came out they were there for you when they were announcing the chase hey remember the chase on game shows and itv they were there at those moments but the thing is and this is where i'm trying to point at hi hi audience hi it's me your friend jordan they don't give a fuck anymore they've all moved on with their lives Alex Davis, who is the editor-in-chief of Buzzerblog, he has a company to run. This is just a hobby for him. If it's not that, he has a band. He's going to be playing music rather than give a shit about ABC Summer Fun and Games. Although it would be fun because you're rubbing elbows with some executive from ABC. Corey, great software, unlikable personality. Why? He's very cocky, very arrogant. Very negative. And every single time he makes something, it's to spite somebody. He makes game shows not out of love of game shows, but because somebody else is making something game show related and he thinks he can do a better job. So, like, he did Game Show Marathon almost a decade ago, and all he did was he ripped off the 24-hour panel party people. That was his inspiration. 24 panel game shows in 24 hours. Well, what if instead of panel game shows, because he fucking is such an Anglophile, he loves British shit no matter what, uh, so uh, you can do uh, blankety-blank. You can do QI. You can do uh, question of sport. Or you can uh, just rip that off and go with, 
well, let's talk about, um, you know, match game and then one do Wheel of Fortune, then do Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And it's good. I mean, good idea. You're, you're, you're raising money for charity. I can't get that pissed off. But not that original, to be honest. The game show, uh, what is it? That mini game show thing? What is that? The, the mini, the game show, uh, what is this little game show mini megathon or whatever? Was just like play little mini games for, for bars? That's just the game show machine. That came, dude, that came out like 20 years ago. The game show fandom already came up with like a what if we did every game show at once mechanic before. If I'm not mistaken, that was actually like a game show enterprises thing. Or what was it called at the time? Like game show uh, enterprises, I think. I think that was the name instead of home game enterprises. Anyway, home game entertainment, they've already done that. So it feels like Corey did have spite. And then it's like, well, no, then he does like a tries to do a panel quiz show thing. He flakes out after two episodes. He has a music quiz, flakes out after eight episodes. Nothing ever really fully gets done with Corey. And in many ways, I can't say like, because well, Corey sucks and he hates you guys. No, I believe Corey really wants to be a face of the game show fandom. And he wants you to enter, like enjoy his products and enjoy what he does. And, you know, help him out on Patreon and donate to the uh, the the game show marathon every time. But I still think Corey Onatano, because I can call him out on this. This is a podcast for maybe five dollar Patreons. He, he he's an arrogant asshole. He moderates out of a you creep me out or I don't care about this thing. So go away. In a way that is more Trumpy than what I have just said. I'm right, you're wrong, so I'm going to insult you. That's what he does. To the point of it feels isolating if you're a new time fan of game shows. Guess what? Not everybody has seen some random game show from 1977. Not anybody has seen the entire USA Network uh, when they did repeats of 80s game shows. We are in 2020. If you're going to get new audiences, they're either going to be people who are just now discovering game shows on the ABC Summer Fun and Games, or they grew up in the world of reality television, or what's going on presently on YouTube. So imagine you are just now discovering, let's just throw a game show out of nowhere, uh, maybe you just watch Game Show Network. You're a Game Show Network user, and you're really a fan of America Says. You think it's funny, and you just want to see people who enjoy America says. Good luck trying to find that in the Buzzer Blog community with Coriantano or anybody there, because in their world, it's a Family Feud knockoff. When it's what? It's a comedy show. It's a comedy game show that's similar to Outburst or Talk About or a multitude of other game elements that you have seen time and time again. I fucking hate the term ripoff in the world of game shows because it's game mechanics stretched out and turned about and twisted about into multitudes of different ways. It really is not just the game, it's the presentation. What's the set like? What's the outcomes like? What's the uh, host like? You can do pretty much any game show and it could look different in 18 different ways. So if you're a fan of America Says... 
guess what? You're not really going to have that big of a community over on that blog. And one reason is Corey gatekeeps a lot to the point of why do you even bother? Maybe you're, you just start giving up and go, yeah, you're right. America sucks says, what am I doing with my life? And just stop watching. Or you're with a majority of people and you go, oh, America Says with John Michael Higgins. Well, I like John Michael Higgins from Pitch Perfect. Hey, did you know Elizabeth Banks says press your luck? And you grow from there. Hey, it's smart. Um, and you realize that the game show fandom is not these little nodes. Now, the reason I didn't bring up the other two, which is Bob and Christian, They've given up. They've stopped really doing stuff with that blog. Christian did the best article ever on that site, and I do recommend you go check it out over there, where he does legit fucking journalism more than anything I've ever seen in the game show world, where he listens to an urban legend about the Where in the World's Carmen Sandiego game show and one episode being pulled because a kid got hurt in the big map. And lo and behold, it's not true. But he had to do all this investigation work, and it was such the it's one of the best things I've ever read. Christian Carrion is a national treasure, and I think he's great. He has a podcast called Stranger Than Christian, where all he does is he interviews random strangers online and in the world. That's it. And it's an amazing fun thing because he's such a likable personality and the people he gets on it's fun (laughs) so it's now on radio show it's now being broadcast in new york it's on the upswing he's doing comedy he's trying to work in the world of comedy game shows need to be on the back burner on this one folks so i don't blame christian one bit for not really giving a shit about upcoming releases to game shows same thing with my friend bob I've known Bob for 15 years. He is one of my first and earliest friends in the world of game shows. The nicest person you'll ever, ever, ever meet. He was on game shows, I suppose. And uh, he's currently usually streaming Pokemon games on Twitch. He's Buzzer Bob. Give him a shout out. He's wonderful and likable and full of Pokemon. Check him out. He, He plays pretty much... All the versions of Pokemon I can think of. Rather, it's the newest ones on Switch, and he tries to do shiny hunting. Or it's the classic red and blue that you remember from Game Boy. To things like Pokemon Stadium for N64. He plays it all, and it's enjoyable. He has his Pokemon card collection. He has a nice collection of Pokemon plushes and toys. He's just a likable person. And I don't blame him for, you know showing off something else he's passionate about it's okay to be passionate about more than one thing and hey if he's you know he's carving that niche for pokemon streaming on twitch go for it dude because guess what you're doing something from the heart and you're being rewarded for it bravo so Anyway, now that we realize that it's mostly just two people and one that's just on again, off again, but busy with other things, why is this even here? Why is this fucking blog still exist? There are other places that cover game shows these days, and fuck, fuck, like Deadline is where you go for game show news, too. You can learn through variety. You don't, 
I don't even have to cover video game games or game shows these days. It's all over the fucking place. It's the only thing on television these days. It's it's on streaming media for Christ's sakes. So what I realize is that uh, they were trying to rub elbows with people who work at NBC in the weakest link because the people who work on weakest link are mutual friends of mine as well as theirs. Now, for me, being Jordan, I go, oh, cool, they're bringing back Weakest Link. I want to know how that works. And I'm more excited because, to me, a game show is like a board game. It's kind of like, a, wow, it's a game night. Let's play a game, have a good time. That's the best kind of game show, by the way. Um, and the people who are working on the show are getting paid to make a game show. And because we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic... Holy shit, that's actually cool because people get work in the middle of a time when it seems unlikely that people are getting back to work because there is a deadly virus that's going to kill people unless they wear a mask, unless they social distance, and wash their fucking hands. Jesus Christ, it's just science. I feel like I'm venting about 19 different things at once. But hearing them work on a game show during a moment of pandemic is admirable. It's fantastic. I am excited because, one, NBC is trying to get back into game shows. NBC doesn't need to. They have a strong lineup of shows. Everything from the Titan Games to America's Got Talent to The Voice to World of Dance to Songland to American Ninja Warrior. They don't really need another game show. They have a lot of talent shows, not a lot of quiz shows. Deal or No Deal ended on CNBC. So this was kind of their return to in-studio game shows. Now, it kind of came as a shock to me because the announcement of a revival to recording to air date was less than seven months, which is mind-boggling. When I read Small Fortune that got picked up by NBC, and I think it's just collecting dust right now. Because it's just around. I'm sure it'll air eventually. Maybe January. Maybe December. But it's not airing. But Weakest Link just got announced. Jane Lynch is the host. Hey, here's the contestants already casted. They're already recorded. And we're done. It was the same kind of uh, fast pass as I Can See Your Voice on Fox. And we'll get to that in also a bit. So... Weakest Link is good. Uh, I enjoy it. I say it's better than any version of the show. Uh, I don't want to go into like the big 30-minute reveal because I've already done a video here on Patreon. I've already talked about it on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere. But the uh, show is Americanized now because the idea is you build a chain of eight correct answers to reach your target. The target goes up with each passing round. But you lose one player, you lose time, but you now have less people, which theoretically means you might have the smarter people, which means more likely of getting questions correct, which means you can go up the ladder, which means you are more likely to get the bigger money. That's the idea. It, the idea is now we Americanized it. The, the little ladder is so low in the first five questions that... <laughs> 
it's all about kind of just keeping your cool under pressure so when it gets to level six or level seven or level eight on the chain you're playing for big money and it's still the same level of easy questions and of course what you see is people not wanting to have a target on their back for getting one of those big level questions wrong that you hear bank 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 and just bank spam when it's a thousand dollars or two thousand five hundred dollars that the banks usually end up at the end of the episode fifty thousand dollars when if you see the amount of questions correct in the highest rank you can get you can usually you see six, seven, sometimes eight in a row, meaning it is theoretically possible if they just had the courage to go all the way. They don't. Not my fault. That's the way the game mechanic is played. But because it's all about them not going big or going home and trying to lay low because of the social aspect of voting out the weakest link, you see people just go bank, 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 and stay cool because if they get the question wrong, well, it didn't cost the team any money. We made four thousand. We're fine. It's not really. It's such a smart game mechanic because in the original version, it's like twenty pounds to get to a thousand in the BBC. Not really that high of a stake, and it's nine players. It's so long, and they go through eight of rounds of trivia, which usually loses steam after round four i've noticed so while weakest link goes through six rounds of trivia plus the head-to-head battle it at least uh, tries to motivate people to keep watching because at the end you're seeing a quarter million dollars as the target or half a million dollars as the target so when there's three players remaining while they already went through a possible half million dollars this final round's for half a million dollars, which means you can pretty much win over half a million dollars in just one round if you just don't lose your cool and answer the same trivia questions. These are relatively easy questions. This is the kind of stuff where it's just, what country is BTS from? North Korea or South Korea? And it just is just struggling to, to see. Sometimes people get the wrong answers. And I think that's also part of the job. Jane Lynch is not trying to be Anne Robinson. I think the problem... Hi, the problem is a lot of people want Jane to be Anne Robinson. But Anne Robinson's Anne Robinson. Anne Robinson wasn't really even a character on Weakest Link. They knew you wanted dark, you wanted mean, you wanted insult. But that's because Anne Robinson's character as a journalist during Watchdog and as a, and doing reports was that of like a mean person who's trying to confront people when they're thinking they're screwing over their customers. Because that's what she did for a living, consumer reports. So it's the, you're a lawyer, but you got a law question wrong? That's a bit insulting, don't you think? Jane Lynch, on the other hand, uh, is trying to play into a mean role, but it's not necessarily Sue Sylvester, which everyone was expecting. It's kind of more of a snarky, uh, sarcastic host, similar to George Gray on the syndicated Weakest Link. But... The only drawback with Jane is that sometimes she reads insults and she's not really acting insulting. She's just kind of going, 
You banked a disgusting $14,000. That money will go through to the next round. And that's that's it. Just read the prompter and move on. When I think they wanted her to go, oh, come on. We got a quarter million. You banked 12500 <sighs> Well, that money will go through to the next round, but one of you will not. And then we go through our laundry list of hilarious jokes. And it's played by numbers, as usual. And... I read the review of Buzzer Blog and they couldn't figure it out. I don't think they kind of they kind of went like it's insulting cuz the money chain. Oh, it's insulting cuz the contestants. Oh, this, oh that the post production, which by the way, yeah, I can see the post production being bad because well, they're kind of not able to edit in an editing suite right now. That everything is kind of by home. You should really see the process it takes to make this game show. It's impressive, to be honest, how any of these shows can be done uh, in the middle of a global pandemic, such as COVID-19. But uh, yeah, those issues uh, are bad. There's a bit of ADR issues, which always happens in a first season show. And the uh, readings of jokes kind of fall flat. But that's it. Other than that, the fact that the money goes up is supposed to be encouraging people to vote out the weaker players because if you vote the smarter people, the more likely you have to get into the big money. Uh, but BuzzerBlog tried to do a hype parade with this. Did you know there's a $500,000 chain? My uncle works in Nintendo so strong his link gets immunity. Did you know that like they're going to deliberate before vote? None of, only one of those three things happened, and that's the $500,000 chain. The Strongest Link doesn't get immunity. It plays exactly like the rules in the BBC edition or the rules of the original NBC edition. The Strongest Link doesn't get safety. You could vote out the Strongest Link if you think they're a threat for you winning the money. That's always been a game mechanic with the Weakest Link because you never want to go against the head of the class in a head-to-head trivia challenge. So, they made that a nitpick. Something that has been in the original format for so long. Second, they said they deliberate before voting. No. The four-act structure after the trivia round is vote, then reveal, deli- and then talk, joke, joke, and then you are the weakest link, goodbye, exit. They've switched the middle two. They vote... Now let's deliberate. Let's have like a tribal council. You got this question wrong. Why is that? You got this question wrong. That's a bit insulting. Don't you work in the museum? And then it's, well, let's reveal the votes. Blah, 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 blah. With three votes, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. That's it. What they did was they flipped the reveal with the deliberation because in quick production issue, it's easy enough. If you just reveal the votes... And then to deliberate, you're just delaying the inevitable. The player that got the most votes, because you just saw it happen, someone got four votes, is the weakest link goodbye. That by not revealing who is the weakest link, you make it kind of like a tribal council. Hi, let's let's like relax a bit. Let's take a break here. Remember when you got that question wrong? That's very funny. Ha, ha, ha. And just relax it just a bit, but still keep people on nerve because you do know that question you got wrong was worth $50,000, right? 
because ooh, now that you know that could mean they're a suspect or it could be so and so. You got no questions right this round. Ooh, what does that mean? All right, let's reveal who you think is the weakest link. Bop bop bop. With three votes, the boxer, you've been knocked out of the game. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. And that's it. That's the weakest link. And I love it. I think this is great. This is a reality show like Survivor condensed into one hour with great trivia. Yes, some questions are easier than others, but so is most trivia. And it's just a funny show that you can keep on and play along and enjoy. It's about as many questions as The Chase, wink, wink, and it's funny. So I really don't know what their issue is with the show other than oh no we look bad because we gave rumors that aren't true because those rumors that aren't true aren't happening that's a nitpick negative and so uh, i think they have a lawsuit or some sort of legal issue and the producers and i think a few staff members are a little pissed at them right now and i don't blame them because, A, I think they wanted to be friends with these bloggers. And in, they thought in good faith, hey, don't tell anyone about this. We have non-disclosure agreement. Don't do the. And they want to get the edge because look what we have game show fandom. You don't need that anymore. We've moved on. Rather, you just spill the beans to BuzzFeed because at least that would get a few million viewers versus maybe 20,000 on that site. Uh, it's still higher than my podcast, so who am I to talk shit about them? Anyway, Weakest Link is a great game show, and I do recommend you watch it. It's a B plus. I think BuzzerBlog is out of line, and they had a fucking meltdown yesterday, and it came across as... How dare the producers confront us about our review? You come across as children, and it's just like, you do know that makes you feel like children, right? They also, to point this out here, they are aware that this is a game show site. Maybe Alex or Corey should probably lay low the political tweets. I get it, liberal. The, the, Trump sucks, vote him out. Uh, hey, Bernie Sanders is good. Or I think they were more Warren people, but... or No, one was Beto. One voted Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> oh, bless America. Anyway, uh, that it was kind of like a... Uh, let's just do political tweets on the game show Twitter account, which I think people follow because they wanted game show news. They wanted like, hey... Go check out CBS.com. They have an exclusive trailer for Let's Make a Deal. You're not getting that on the Twitter account. They don't even know how to do their own branding correctly. It really is annoying. And I think even people who are politically on their side find it annoying. And I'm one of them. Somewhat. It's just put that on your private account. Put that on your personal account. Just say, hey... This is like like this would be like if uh what what is that that uh the 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 bench what is that uh bleacher not bleacher report uh the El Presidente bar stool 
Barstool Sports. It'd be like you went to Barstool Sports expecting like UFC news or NFL news or NBA bubble news. And instead of any of that, you get, you know, Donald Trump's really cool, you guys. Vote for... No. No, you came for sports. You you go to the... I hate to say stick to sports, but this is not a personal account. This is a official game show blog. (laughs) This is supposed to be a news and opinion site. To go into political means you're now a political blog, which, no offense, go for it, but maybe do it on the official Alex Davis or the official Corey Anatano site, not necessarily buzzer blog unless you want to make an official joint statement with all of your editors and writers. Drawing it out there. Me, I'm a solo act, so I don't fucking care. Uh, but, geez, just do a private account. Just do it on your personal, dude. Just personal account you don't have to do it on the game show the people who are on your game show are game show enthusiasts they want to know like what the fuck's going on with wheel of fortune and all they can do is go the wheel condoms (laughs) they have to hold the handlebar and turn the wheel (laughs) and it's just like yeah that's funny Uh uh-huh yeah covid at the same breath they People make fun of like the podiums on the prices, right? And they go, that's not funny. We're in the middle of a pandemic. And it's like, okay, so you just made fun of like Wheel of Fortune for ha- having condoms to spin a wheel. But if someone makes fun of the podiums on prices, right? Or the lack of audience on the prices, right? Or how Family Feud has a monitor now on their screen or any other slight changes to uh, make the site the show more COVID friendly, there's this irritation with them to the point of it is just ridiculous. So I don't have any hard feelings for Buzzer Blog or Alex or even Corey Anatano, but I do know Corey is on a shit list for me and I still won't forget him for basically being radio silent when I asked him to stop by and then doing a rival game show podcast because that's all Corey wants to fucking do. When someone has an idea, he wants to do it himself to spite somebody. Stop being a spiteful asshole, Corey. Okay, so now let's go into game show news. Hey, did you know Great British Bake Off is back? It's such a great show. Please check it out on Netflix. Check it out over on Channel 4. Uh, I have been watching this season with Matt Lucas and falling in love with it. Uh, it's such a, a great little show. Uh, they filmed it during COVID. They had a little like NBA bubble. They all stayed at the hotel. Then they went to the tent. They did their baking. And they moved on when the se- series ended. And I enjoy it. It feels like nothing really changed with the show. Yet it still compiled with COVID guidelines. And sometimes I think that that is kind of what people want to see. They don't want complete knowing that there there is COVID out there. They just want that little uh, ice. They want that little uh, uh, freedom. They want that little uh, 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 flight of fantasy where it is, you know, like, oh, you can go to the supermarket, but there's no, like, little spots for them at the checkout line and one per per aisle they can just run through the aisle whenever they want 
or for British Bake Off, everything looks the same as it did last season, in the season before that, and the season before that. That it's it's nice, and plus it's a wholesome game show. It's just just like a feel good thing that I think everyone because who watches it just feels joy. And they feel bad when someone gets eliminated. That's a show where it's not like, yeah, you were the villain. Fuck you. That, that It's more of a, oh, come on, not him. No, not her. She was great. Oh, no, I'm going to miss her. Do you feel bad? But at the same time, you're still going to keep watching because, oh, next week is pastry week. Oh, next week is pie week. And you're like, okay, I'll keep watching. I love to munch. Um. In addition to, to Great British Bake Off, which I suggest people watch because, hey, it's a fun little show, I've been watching a lot of archival game shows. Uh, Wheel of Fortune in the UK. I've been watching a lot of Catchphrase. Uh, I've been uh, tracking down old episodes of, uh, of Treasure Hunt uh, and just having a blast. Uh, that I enjoy it. And I think that, you know, sometimes it works. I've been also watching Jeopardy. I've been watching a bit of Wheel. Usually what I do is I just, like, watch Jeopardy, and then I just kind of just change the channel. I don't really care much for Wheel of Fortune, to be honest. I still think there's too many gimmicks to the show that it becomes a little confusing, especially if you want to introduce it to new audiences. Uh, but I, I did see the $100,000 win this week, and I thought, hey! It's fun. There's winners, but they didn't drop confetti. <laughs> and then they had, like, the nickname for Mike Richards. And it was Mike Confetti Richards. And I just bust out laughing. <laughs> uh, also, uh, I've been watching a few other game shows. I'll review them in just a bit. Uh, I guess for the end of the news section, I guess this is also a fun little news. Uh, the COVID thing with the Price is Right, I like it. It basically just made four little showcase podiums, or like just like the old days, the one bid. There's no audience, so everything's on a raised stage, and they just run over and play the pricing game like normal. And I thought that's actually kind of cool. I mean, that's the way you have to do it during COVID. That I I don't blame them. Uh, I I I will I will watch the COVID year of the Price Is Right because it's still one of those great game shows. That even though there's no audience, I still think there is a lot of playability. Uh, so stay tuned. That's going to be the end of November. Price is right. Uh, so, uh, final news is the uh, passing of Tom Kennedy. Uh, Tom Kennedy uh, is one of my favorite game shows. We, uh, we did Body Language. And we talked about Tom Kennedy Name that tune, The Price is Right. Just this remarkable game show host. I didn't know till after the recording that he's related to Jack Nars. And I was just like, no way. Because Jack Nars is one of my favorite game show hosts. Because just this effortless hosting ability. Just this calm demeanor. And then like here's Tom Kenny on going, charge! And just, just fun. That uh, when I found the news, I just was like, I, I can't do it. I'm just going to just uh, watch Shoo for, for a few hours and then just uh, relax. Uh, so uh, thoughts and prayers go out to the Nars estate uh, and, and all the friends and family for his passing. I didn't know he lived up the street from me, by the way, too. I feel real bad. Um, but, yeah, that's just... 
I, I, I think he's one of the most underrated game shows, and I don't think a lot of people knew just how fun his shows were and his presentation ability. The, Tom Kenny is just one of the icons, especially if you were a fan of 80s game shows. Uh, oh, well. Anyway, uh, game shows. I have a little notepad here of different game shows. Uh, so Weakest Link, I've already reviewed that. Uh, I only have three one, three to, to talk about today. I can see your voice, sing on, and guessable. Uh, I have, I will tell you right now, hi, I, Jordan Haas, have seen The Million Pound Cube, and I have seen Supermarket Sweep of Leslie Jones. I have seen do- both those game shows ahead of schedule, and I can't review them right now because of non-disclosure agreements, even if it's on Patreon. I feel bad. But Million Pound Cube if you love the original for all those cool special effects, for those intense moments with big money at stake, you will love Million Pound Cube. They got rid of Trial Run and replaced it with a swap, which is kind of like Switch the Question on Millionaire. But it still has this um, insane games. Sometimes the games are played as a pair, sometimes as singles, but it is just thrilling to watch and the graphics haven't changed a bit it feels like they've now went into vector graphics it feels like they went from like 8-bit atari to now like we're going into turbo graphics 16 with the rotating circular numbers and graphics circling the cube and it's just so cool i love it (laughs) It it feels like here's all the modern tech that you can see in modern television, sports broadcasting, but on a game show. I can't say anything else. I feel bad, uh, but I love it. I love the Million Pound Cube. My only drawback is is the amount of episodes they picked up on, but I think it's because of the cash prize and, and all sorts of parameters, but I love it. I, I can't wait for, for people to see it. And secondarily, supermarket sweep i wish i could talk about supermarket sweep i've i'm like holding my breath i you have no idea how tough it is for me to go when it comes to supermarket sweep because this is everything i wanted in a supermarket sweep reboot this reminds me of press your luck this reminds me of card sharks in that i want to see that show revive if it has x y and z it'll be good and then they went, yeah, we'll give you X, Y, and Z, but I think you also are looking forward to this and this. And I went, yeah, actually, that works for me too. Uh, the set is just beautiful. You're going to love the set. I, I, When they do close-ups of the aisles, when they do this big sweep, it is like you're thrown back in the 90s or thrown back into the 60s because it is just chaos and it just like you're thinking wait this was during the pandemic this was during covid yes because they are just elbowing each other trying to grab products trying to get bonus items and it's just feel good and leslie is actually not that bad she's enthusiastic for the players she's like trying to point out where weird things have occurred in the sweep and bringing a very happy, joyful personality to the show, where for the entirety of the show, I was just smiling and happy. I, I, 
unlike Supermarket Sweep UK, where they're trying to do um, storyline, where Ryan's like the manager of the store, I don't think they're really throwing Leslie as the manager so much as just uh, she she is kind of like just like uh, somebody who probably broke into the supermarket and said, yeah, I'm going to buy everything you go in the supermarket. Go nuts. <laughs> I don't like a big shot kind of rich person. <laughs> Um, but no, like I like, it is such great games are played. It, some of your favorites have returned. Uh, the sweep times are built up. There's the big sweep. There's inflatables, but, um, I can't say anything else. If you want people to throw steaks, no shopping cart. Yes. They will be people throwing hams in a shopping cart. You get that. You get people running around with giant inflatables. It is exactly what you want supermarket sweep to be. And then some, because there's big money on the line, $100,000. And the way they get it, you just got to find out. But it's doable. It is doable. Uh, and then they, and then afterwards, they do Millionaire. And it just kind of goes from, like, happy, joyful, happy, happy, to suddenly, like, serious music for, for $125,000. Here's your question. And it's just, uh Personally, I think Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is the worst revival of all the game show revivals so far. Millionaire is the worst. And I think it's only because of COVID that that happened. I do not like the COVID episodes of Clarkson. I do not like the COVID episodes of Kimmel. They should just pull the plug or do a virtual audience or something. Because this doesn't work. (laughs) This is kind of just a... this kind of just is terrible, if you ask me. It's not a. It should be on at night. It should be on at like 10 p.m. It shouldn't be on right between Card Sharks and the Supermarket Sweep, because Card Sharks is supposed to be a comedy survey show with Joel McHale as the host and flipping of cards and the high stakes of the money cards. Uh, they changed the set slightly because of COVID. There's no audience, but it doesn't matter. It looks nice. And everyone's going like, well, did you look, did you see the change? That's like, yeah, I know that. I noticed that for like four months. Did no one pick up on that? What, what happened? Uh, but oh well. Uh, I, I'm excited for Supermarket Sweep. I wish I could review it, but just hopefully by the sound of my voice, you can tell that I'm excited for those two shows. Got it? I'm excited. Go check them out. Uh, don't check out Millionaire. <laughs> I could say that. Billionaire is still the same. Don't check it out. It's not good. Uh, Sweep is good. Press Your Luck is good. Card Sharks is good. Uh, Feud is good. Match Game I still don't care for, but it's still Match Game, so if you like that show, it's more of it. But just, it's good. Uh, but... There are three weird shows. So uh, let me just get some water real quick. Just Okay. Oh, that's the good stuff. All right. Where are we? Uh, All right. So I can see your voice. So... Ken Jong has a new game show called I Can See Your Voice. It airs on Fox after The Masked Singer. I Can See Your Voice is a uh, import from South Korea for a show called I Can See Your Voice, in which a musician has to figure out who is a bad singer from a good singer without ever hearing their voice proper. 
Unlike the South Korean version, which case it's six players and they reduce it by one in each round, but everyone gets to sing, in this version they play different mini-games, which are some are stemmed from the original and some are new for this series, where it is, hey, who is real and who is fake based on certain challenges. Uh, I'm trying to remember what each of them are. But I think if I remember correctly, because they've been they never change them. The contestants introduced and then the six singers are introduced and then the panel detectives are introduced, one of which is a musician, sometimes related to the mass singer. Go figure. Uh, and six are kind of like identity where it's like, here's the doctor. Here is the chef. Here is the basketball player. Here is the teacher, and here is the gamer. All right, and all these fun facts about them, but only the ones that are telling the truth will have real facts. The others are fake. And round one, the first three of the six have to uh, are lip-syncing to a song where somebody has already pre-recorded their singing voice. Now, if they are a real singer, they're lip-syncing to their real song with the real lip-syncing of their own vocal cords. But the fake ones are going to be lip-syncing to a fake singer, much like Millie Vanilli. And it's up to the contestant to figure out which of the three are a fake singer. If they can do that, they get $10,000. Round two, it's the same challenge, but with the other three. If they can figure out which of those three is the fake singer, they get, you guessed it, another $10,000. Each of the first five games are for $10,000, but not necessarily all the singers are good or bad. Half could be good, half can be bad, four could be good, two can be bad. None of them could be good, none of them could be bad. Fuck you, we don't know. But if you can figure out who are the bad singers, you get rewarded. In round three, after doing uh, that fun round... They go into the special studio where you get to hear them sing, but it's with a weird voice track. And you have to figure out who's the bad singer again. In round three, I, I think in round four, it's the phone round where you get to see, or is it round three is the phone round? In round, it's one where you basically you, you pick a phone and you get a fun video package for one of the contestants and then you got to decide, do you uh, vote them out or do you pick someone else for $10,000? Uh, then you do it again, but this time it's a, uh, they get to, uh, I believe in the final one, it's a it's an interrogation. When there's two left, you pick one of the two remaining. You interrogate them for 30 seconds. There's no changing of their voice. You can't tell them to sing, but you can ask them questions about any of the information you have gathered because if they're lying, well, I don't know. And that could end up costing them a lot. When you're down to one player standing, uh, good or bad, because remember, good means 10,000, bad means whatever, it's irrelevant because no matter what happens, you're pretty much guaranteed at least some amount of money if... They're all good or all bad. So it comes down to one final decision, the duet. For the final round, there's one winner of the singing competition that you've picked out. Do you take the money you've gotten so far, which could be 10000 20000 30000 40000 or 50000 
You could take that money and go away, or you can gamble it, give it back. If the last player standing is a good singer, as in they actually can sing, and then, oh, up a voice, uh, you get $100,000, and you don't embarrass the musician. However... If they're a bad singer, you embarrass the you embarrass the musician. You get no money. Do you take the money and run, or do you gamble it on the final duet? Regardless of outcome, you still have to hear the final duet. And yes, there's good singers. You know, they hold the note. Uh, others, and just it's that's the comedic nature of it. Uh, it's okay. Ken Jong is trying his hardest to figure out this show, trying desperately to make this enjoyable. It seems like this was a show that they wanted to... This is not bad of a show by any stretch because there is play-along factor to it. You can play along. Guess who is the good singer from the bad? Uh, and you do get to kind of root for the contestant. And it kind of has that same playability as Mask Singer, but with none of the I know this celebrity because X, Y, and Z reasons. So this is a fun little singing show. I think they wanted something to pair with Mask Singer. This is a harmless version of that. Go for it. Uh, and it's very comedic, but I don't know if this should get a season two. If they get season two, they have to have more games, more variety, because this is just, it kind of falls flat, like a flat note, and funny. Um, but Ken Jong is trying his hardest to be funny, trying to do good thing, and sometimes he's his hosting ability is basically just staying calm and going, this is the influence round. If you do the voice, you pick the bad is good, good is bad, you get $10,000, and just... It, it, it doesn't really bring in most of his comedic personality, but I think it's because his whole branding is now through the mass singer that that's why he's on this singing show because he's the guy who does the goofy opinions on that show. Um, but it's a very Fox show. It belongs on that network. It feels like a good pairing. Uh, it just... I don't know if I if I feel like it's one of those shows where you can you watch one maybe two episodes and then you kind of fall off on. Uh, but there's voting, there is celebrity panels, there's I think they're a bad singer, they're actually a good singer. What? And then that person has their moment in the spotlight. There's comedians going, they're a good singer, and then of course they sing poorly, but they're very beautiful, and you're like, oh come on, and it's very funny as well. Um, but obviously, like, I think you need to have a certain kind of viewer to watch this show and enjoy it. It has to be somebody who is sick of good singing, like singing shows, people who have seen, uh, you know, the voice or American Idol or, or even Superstar USA back in the day. Hey, remember Superstar USA? And just go, can we please just have one where it's just everyday people singing and that's it? And it's just like, yeah, this is it. This is everyday people singing. Some are good, some are bad, though. <laughs> can you figure it out? And it's also a supplemental of what's good and what's bad. But when they're bad, oh boy, are they bad. Uh, I'm in the mid-range, probably leaning towards bad, though. Um, but is, is it a good show? It is. It's better than Ultimate Tag. But uh, there's nothing really uh, captivating 
throughout the show other than the play-along factor of who's good and who's bad. On the gameplay uh, mechanic, as somebody who likes to break the game down, you're in a forced tell by the producer on the show. And to me, as, as somebody who breaks the game down, a forced tell is not good. You're going based on what the producers and the casting people have given for the show because you could be getting no good singers and if that's the case, there's no good singers. They're all bad. You guarantee fifty thousand, but not a hundred thousand dollar payout. If they're all good singers, you guarantee a hundred thousand dollar payout because you're risking zero dollars for a hundred thousand. If it's one good singer out of five bad singers, you could have the dream finale of there's five bad singers. You found them all, and you can go for a hundred thousand. Or that rare opportunity where you have picked the one needle in the haystack good singer out of the bad singers and cost a lot of money. And I think that's kind of what they're hoping for. They're hoping for like a 4-2 or a 3-3 in either or category because they want to deduce that like you've already kind of gotten two of them wrong, even though you're forced to eliminate five players at any given time which means the group is 5-6 of good to bad. Based on that 5-6, to six, you're guaranteed X times 10,000. Mathematic, folks, you know that. If it's a bad singer, you get $10,000 in each of the five rounds, meaning you get at most $50,000 so much as if all five of the people you sung were bad because the casting people brought on five bad singers out of six singers. Did you get all that? I feel like I feel like it's it's some sort of like Monty Hall dilemma question, but it's not. It really is just like whoever the producers have picked to be the six for the show. That's how much money you're going to get guaranteed times ten, and the only amount of luck comes at the finale. That that's the game breaking mechanic of the show that kind of tunes me out. I feel like it, it really should have been just like you like some sort of uh there's three good three bad like the contestant knows ahead of time what's good what's bad and it's a three strike system you get rid of three singers that are good before you get to the end the game is over and you just have like a money ladder system or something because i no <laughs> that's the only part i don't like ken jong is trying to make this fun and it's okay the i can't get rid i mean like the the same uh audience from the mass singer is in this because it's all digital it's a digital audience they overlaid in post and it's it's fine it's it's fun clearly you don't hear the audience say let's hear your voice but it's fine i give it a c plus I only recommend watching one episode and then coming up with a decision because on a game-breaking scale, if it was me, just play the game like you don't care about the hundred grand because you guarantee yourself 20000 or 30000 or whatever the producers are willing to hand you. Uh, second, if you love singing shows, Netflix has a singing show of their own now called Sing On. Sing On is Weakest Link, mix of karaoke with Titus uh, Burgess from the funny sitcom uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, 
in this hilarious singing show, which may or may not have been filmed during COVID. I don't know. I think it was filmed during COVID because I don't see an audience. Six people get to sing songs to build a bank of up to $60,000. Along the way, they have to vote out the bad singers or the good singers or some sort of fucking Lucas Link thing. Where at the end, the three best singers go head-to-head-to-head to head to head in a final battle over who's the best singer based on a karaoke vinyl wave thing that looks like Twitch Sings. That's it. If you play Karaoke Revolution for PlayStation 2, what if Karaoke Revolution was a game show with money based on your score on your singing ability? That's this show. It feels very 2000s. It feels like a show that would have existed in 2003, 2004, but it's 2020. Because the way they handle the range on the singing the vote-out mechanic that feels like Weakest Link in the early 2000s versus today. But the twist is the strongest singer gets immunity. Isn't that funny? <laughs> like the Weakest Link. Oh, wait, no. And also, it doesn't matter if the strongest singer gets immunity on the show because only one good singer gets the money. It's it's a singing show. It's not trivia. See, see trivia. Trivia is uh, basically useless knowledge. That's kind of what trivia means, useless knowledge. And uh, everybody has useless knowledge because everybody knows something about anything if they're interested in it. So when you see a trivia show in the UK, usually it's quiz because UK is a quiz capital. America really isn't. We're kind of dumb. We have the trivia nationals, though. But compare it. Like, the what's the biggest quiz show on TV? Jeopardy. Millionaires on the air. But that's it. They're trying to push the chase, and they're trying to push 500 questions. They're trying to push the big trivia shows. But all they get is Jeopardy contestants. Because there's no need for a, any other quiz show in America. But in the UK, you have your eggheads you have the chase you have a millionaire you have a mastermind that quizzing is a a cultural thing of the uk so weakest link is kind of like a social game through means of answering trivia questions so are you a better trip better trivia than somebody else well may, may or may not i don't know versus a singing show where it's all based on the ability to do range um and plus, you're voting out the weaker players because you want to build the most money. You don't have to vote out because of strategy of voting out the strongest, but you can always vote out the second strongest and save money that way. But it's, uh, as far as the show is concerned, it's fine. I, I felt it boring. I think Titus is a fun host. I think the show looks nice. The music package is great. The music package that's not what they licensed out for singing is good. Uh, I just think the uh, voting mechanic is still kind of yuck, and I just don't care for it. And I don't really care much for the uh, the head-to-head-to-head the -head -head final round, if that makes sense. I think if it was me, I would have just uh, made it so the weakest player is eliminated in each of the first three rounds 
and each of them build a bank, kind of like what they're doing now. So it's uh, one, two, three, four thousand. So that's so they can win up to sixty thousand dollars or something. I have to do the math correctly, and my head hurts. But uh, no, like it's okay of a show, but. If the top price is $60,000, but that requires everybody to sing properly, why watch the show? It's kind of like, I don't know, when Weakest Link says they're offering a million dollars, but they're never really offering a million dollars. But there is no caveat for them to win, say, 25000 or 10000 or any of that. They have to have a perfect range, and that's nearly impossible in the show. That I just, to me, it's one of those... They should have just say a cash prize. They should just not bring up sixty thousand because it the they should have made it over fifty thousand or some sort of way to to negate the fact it's impossible to get the top prize, but still say like, hey, they're making thirty one thousand dollars today. That's great. And it's like, didn't Awake try to give away a million dollars? I remember they had like a sleep deprivation game show called Awake on Netflix, and they were trying to give away a million dollars. This feels like a low-budget version of that, but it also fits. A, this feels like a show that would have been on NBC. This feels like an NBC game show, and they probably pitched it, and they went, no, we have the singing bee. We don't need karaoke. Uh, ca- uh, what well, karaoke... Uh, uh, battle royale or whatever they want to call it besides sing on <laughs> it it's it's fine it's wholesome it's still kind of it's not as good as other singing shows it just feels straight out of mid 2000s instead of 2020 and maybe you want that if that's the case you check it out it's a c plus for me uh third guessable it's a panel show it's on Comedy Central in the UK where a, a team of comedians go against a team of comedians playing guessing games, kind of like a what am I or what am I acting out or in person. Basically, if you've ever seen celebrities play Heads uh, heads Up on, on the Ellen Show, it's that, but with panel comedians, which means jokes midway through the game heckling each other. It's boring. It's a really boring panel show. Don't watch it. It's a D. Solid D. It's boring. Don't watch. Good set, though. That's why it's not an F. Great set. But it's nothing stands out for it. It's a D. Do I need to go on? Not really. Have you ever seen uh, the, the... It reminds me a lot of... Um, this one game show I, I seen called You're in the Picture where comedians uh, have their faces in different portraits and then they ask yes, no questions and have to figure out what's in the photo to win uh, donations. But instead of donations, it's points because it's a panel show. It's exactly like that. And that show got canceled after one episode and a big apology had to be made. I don't think this is going to get canceled after one episode for an apology being made because we have lost control of entertainment. But it's from the UK, so I'm sure, you know, Corey from Buzzer Blog or Alex Davis will say it's the greatest fucking panel show ever made when it's just a very 
boring panel show based on guessing. The only highlight is that all the answers in this episode relates to a celebrity. And if you can figure out who that celebrity is, you win the show. And if you had the lowest amount of points, it doesn't matter. You won the show. It's worth a bazillion points. That's a fun game mechanic. Because then it feels like you are uh, on the mask Singer. Because it's always a celebrity. Anyway, Taskmaster's returning this week too. It looks fine. There's no audience. It's a virtual audience. But they're still going to laugh at the jokes and see the videos. In this, unti- in this unprecedented time. Uh, so Taskmaster, it's fine. I like Taskmaster. I'm going to watch Taskmaster. But may- I don't know. Maybe I'm losing my steam on the show. Kind of, And maybe it's because if it's not good on the CW, what hope do you have of just watching it now on Channel 4, the same network that has the Great British Bake Off? To me, that's that's where my head's at. But uh, what do I know? Maybe maybe we shouldn't have everything that's exported from UK. If you're going to explore a game show right now, Tipping Point could be a GSN show. Mastermind could be a syndicated game show. And you might have a chance at Pointless if it's on Discovery Channel, maybe. Other than that, I can't really think of one that first and last that was early 2020 that seems like an nbc game show go with that other than that fuck i don't know we're done so in conclusion the world of game shows you know there's hundreds of game shows out there you just got to find the ones that work for you Thank you so much for tuning in for this special edition of Game Shows, I suppose, Rambly Venti. Uh, please remind yourself that game shows are not the end-all be-all. They're just a genre of entertainment similar to horror movies or role-playing video games where it's just a bigger aspect of a much greater entertainment medium. And yes, they are worth millions and billions of dollars these days because they're bought and sold for the means of importing and exporting to national networks as a means for having any form of content on a declining viewer stream. So my best advice when it comes to watching game shows is just find the ones you enjoy and savor those opportunities because given where entertainment's going... It could get canceled after one season or two seasons. And don't be surprised if once the COVID ends, you're going to see a massive amount of cancellations of game shows because a lot of audiences will be like, I can't stand watching another fucking game show. Please give me something like The Mandalorian. And guess what? They're going to give you The Mandalorian on network television. That's what we're going to see. I'm just giving you the heads up. Anyway, uh, this is Jordan. I'm not going to get hired uh, uh, anywhere anytime soon, but, you know, I think we all learned an important lesson. Game shows are very fun. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's so nice to see you. To see you. Nice. Wait, that's not me. Smooch. Mwah.